Mexico. Hey, Mike. What's up, Corey? Uh, nothing much. This is podcast number one. Um, we don't know what we're called yet, but uh, we're here to please. We're here in South Beach on a, a beautiful Friday afternoon in July. San Francisco, not Miami. Yeah, San Francisco. And our talents are here for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we're here. We're going to talk about a couple of things. Um the idea of this podcast is just to kind of talk about, you know, technology and uh, kind of popular culture. What else are we talking about? City living. City living. Stuff really for, for guys living in the, the 21st century, right? Right. And 21st century, kind of a little more tech-minded. Um, the urban professional. The urban professional, which brings us to our first uh, well, topic. Maybe before we get started, we got to, you know, kind of... Lay the, the groundwork of, okay, of okay. what's going on here. We're literally two guys sitting at a, a dining room table right now with a MacBook. Two MacBooks. Two MacBooks. One's using the microphone to record. So it's going to be super raw and hopefully pretty thought-provoking. We already, have, also, we already have one listener. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to cater to to you know to the listeners, to the viewers. It's also unrated because I'm sure I'm going to swear a, a lot. I'm probably going to use some mild profanity. Well, without further ado, shall we get started? Yeah, so let's let's talk about, um, many of you have probably already heard about uh, a man uh, earlier this week uh, filed a lawsuit in federal court seeking damages against Apple, Apple Computer, for making devices that can display porn. So his complaint, this guy, his name is Chris Sevier, the complaint basically claims that he's a victim of Apple's product that was sold to him without any warning of the damage pornography causes. What do you think about this? Well, this guy's also a lawyer, and probably my favorite tidbit of this whole story is that he's an aspiring uh, model as well. Yeah, I'm looking at his uh, model mayhem profile here. Um, <laughs> what does he look like? Is he so he, he's, he's, he's attractive. He's, uh, he's like a seven, um, but it says he's 26 on his model mayhem profile. He's actually 36, um, mm-hmm. according to some internet research that I've done. So, you know, he's, he's already, he's not off to a good start there. He also apparently is the singer of ghost wars. Oh, I saw that on his Facebook profile. Yeah. Yeah. uh, An electronic band. Uh, but anyways, let's get back to the, the lawsuit. I I think it's, you know, you're a lawyer. I'm not, but it sounds like a lawsuit without basis. Uh, you know, that's like saying I walk into a bar, I take a shot, uh, for the first time and I'd be, you know, I'll become an alcoholic and I sue that bar. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a fair point. But let, let's get back to what what he's claiming. So, the, here's the kind of background. Um, in in a in a torts matter like this, where you're um, you're trying to claim damages based on some uh, defendant's uh, um, tort or social harm, uh, 
you basically have to prove one of the elements of the case is you have to prove uh, causation, mm-hmm. and so you have to prove that um, not only was the defendant's actions um, a ca- the cause of your um, your harm or the harm that was done to you, but it was the proximate cause, meaning that without if uh, without Apple's computer, he would not have. Um, looked at porn, hmm. right? Interesting. And so, is this uh, a good time to disclaim that you know this is not a law advice? Or we yeah, I guess law yeah, advice? this is definitely not legal <laughs> advice. Um, so, so the defendant here, he he claims in using Safari, the plaintiff, which is Apple, uh, well, actually, no, the plaintiff, which is uh, which is uh, Sevier, accidentally misspelled Facebook.com which led him to fuckbook.com and a host of websites that caused him to see pornographic images that appealed to his biological sensibilities as a male and led to an unwanted addiction with adverse consequences. How do you misspell Facebook for fuckbook? That's a good question. And especially if you went to a top 20 law school like Vanderbilt University, which is, is a great law school. Um, you know, he's not an idiot. Um, I mean, assuming, assuming that he took his own LSATs and, um, you know, graduated school on his own. You mean it's not like suits where he, uh, has a fake Harvard degree? No, no. I mean, uh, I mean, according to the, to the kind of the background that the news, um, outlets that have reported on this, on this case have done, he's, uh, he's a graduate of Vanderbilt and a lawyer. Um, although according to above the law, which, um, which is one of my favorite websites, actually, for kind of legal gossip. Um, um, Sevier, the plaintiff in the case, was put on inactive status by the Tennessee Supreme Court in 2011 due to mental infirmity or illness. Hmm. So the Tennessee bar essentially um, uh, determined that he wasn't fit to practice law because he's maybe mentally ill. So, I mean, I think that kind of... Puts puts this case into perspective, but I mean, what, do you think this is Apple's fault? I mean, assuming that this this case had merit, what do you? I mean, what do you think? Maybe, I mean, maybe because everyone knows Internet Explorer is shit. Okay, right? maybe he could never even look at porn because of Internet Explorer. But but because Safari is so user friendly. Okay, I mean that's fair enough. But I mean, what if? I mean, if you and he's only asking for seventy six thousand dollars. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a Google search right now and try to get to fuckbook. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. think, uh, let's see book. Let's see. I, I just mean, typed in F book. That's going to give you Facebook. And yes, Facebook's stock quote just showed up under Google. Um, uh, let's see. There's lame book is on here. Facebook's Wikipedia page later, bro. I've never heard of that. Why? I think you actually have to go to fuckbook.com to get this thing to work. What if you just type in fuckbook into Google? Okay, I typed in fuckbook, and I spelled that correctly. Um, and the first, the first pop-up is fuckbook adult network dating and entertainment for sexual desires and fantasies. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't think the average person of, you know, ordinary intelligence would click that. Would would assume that that is Facebook, which is what he was looking for. I mean, especially someone who has a law degree from you know Vanderbilt. Um, 
Also, I'm using Google Chrome, by the way, so I'm not using Safari, um, which maybe maybe that's maybe that's the reason. Um, Why is he only asking for seventy six thousand dollars? Why not more? That's a good question too. I didn't I didn't I didn't get that far in the. Uh, He's only asking for uh, seventy six thousand dollars to recover lost work, uh, his uh, rehabilitation, and, and other expenses. So, I think that this is kind of a uh, a moral crusade. Um, by the plaintiff, um, maybe it's just PR too. So, I mean, maybe, maybe PR, but what, what he, what he is advocating for is, I mean, and I'll read you this. The plaintiff loves Apple. The, the lawsuit says the plaintiff believes in Apple as a company and knows that it has good intent since its since its inception. Apple has always been a pro-family company. Apple has always been an entity that is concerned with the welfare of our nation's children while furthering pro-American values. The plaintiff respects, respectfully demands that Apple sell all of its devices on quote-unquote safe mode with software present to filter out pornographic content. If the purchaser of Apple's products is over 18, Apple should allow the buyer to take additional step to acquire a password from Apple in order to remove the filter to access constitutionally protected indecent content. If the buyer is under 18, Apple should not provide the password. So in, that, in this world that the plaintiff would, would like to see um, sure. you know, take effect, I mean, would you be comfortable with, with something like that? With what? With um, all of Apple's devices being sold on safe no. mode? Why it's ridiculous. Not? Why is it ridiculous? Do you look at porn? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you can just go get a password from Apple, and then they'll know that you, you know, you're a porn, a porn viewer. There's a, such a thing as called freedom of speech, which this might fall under. I don't know where you can't be censoring search results in Google based on some guy that doesn't want to look at porn that he clearly landed there. I don't know. I, I just think that it's just kind of a crazy case. Yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, I, I also think. Um, you know, we all we all kind of have a choice of of what we want to do and how we want to use the internet. I mean, I, I read somewhere um, that. Apparently, thirty percent of all internet bandwidth in the universe uh, goes to porn videos. Oh, I believe that one hundred percent. Thirty percent to this day, which is which is which is insane. I mean, I think people are going to look at porn no matter what. I mean, I think if if, if something like this actually ever happened, um, someone would come up with a, a proxy to bypass Apple's. Uh, this will never happen. It, I mean, I'm, I'm, in, 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 in the hypothetical, yeah, in the hypothetical to, universe, to, to block your kids, they already have these these parental controls. There are also uh, pretty neat um, kind of um, what's it called? Uh, what is it called that when you block the internet in your house, like a fire a fire firewall. firewall? There's pretty neat firewall technology that's coming out for um, parents where you. Um, where you can just type in um, websites that you don't want your household Wi-Fi to access to, and that's a lengthy list. Yeah, well, well, and and then and then it obviously and then it also has its own um, sure its own algorithm for determining other inappropriate ones. I mean, I think if if you really don't want porn to be viewed in your house or your um, or you know on your own computer, there there are safeguards against that. I mean, I never look at porn. I mean. I don't know who does, uh, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, I think every every man. Um, 
<laughs> I think uh, so. My my health teacher in in I think in we could spend grade, uh, three hours talking about porn in general. Yeah, we probably could. My my health teacher went when I was fifteen in in tenth grade. We had to take health, um, and they showed us um, a baby being born. And our health teacher was a was a one of the um, one of the soccer teachers, and he had to give us a talk about masturbation. And I still remember what he told us. He walks up to the top of the or to the front of the class, and he says, uh, "98% of men masturbate, and the other two percent are liars." <laughs> so, I mean, I think I think that porn is never going away. Um, no. So here here. You're, to add on to your 30% bandwidth, right? It says here that the industry in America is $13 billion. Worldwide, it's a $97 billion industry. How does that compare to other industries? Like, what, what is the tribal industry size? Um, so, how many billion was it? This $97 was- billion dollars is porn worldwide. There were 1.3 million pornographic websites as of uh, the publishing of this article, which looks like this week, uh, receiving 75 million views per month. Uh, here's something else that's interesting. Uh, many people are grouping porn and sex addiction, sex addictions with actual mental addictions, which is not the case. Uh, a lot of health professionals say that there is no legitimate scientific basis for these claims. Well, I, I mean, I'd like to know if um, the plaintiff in this Apple case is religious, because I think, well, a lot of this comes from like the you know the moral the moral majority kind of conservative agenda to kind of wipe out. Um, lascivious funny, funny you mention that because I was just reading this article saying that the Bible Belt has just as bad of a porn problem as other non-religious cities. So apparently there's this website on the internet called Pornhub, uh, which I... Which, ass- what's that? I assume it's uh, one of these sites where you go and, and you can view pornographic material. Uh, they now are kind of going the OkCupid route. For those that don't know, OkCupid is this uh, dating site and they produce these really interesting blog posts uh, using a lot of their data scientists and interesting data to have. Well, Pornhub's going this route and producing interesting tidbits of information about activity that's happening on their uh, unsavory uh, website. And the uh, what they have found is that the, the Bible Belt uh, has just watches just as much porn as the rest of the United States. Uh, and the most uh, religious cities uh, with number of videos per capita is actually uh, uh, what does it look like here? Huntsville, uh, Birmingham, Montgomery, and Jackson. I mean, these are all in Alabama. It looks like. Wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, this guy um, Sevier is uh, is in Tennessee. So, I mean, that's not too far from Alabama. I think they they border each other, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I also saw that um, an article a while back that said that red states can uh, red state citizens consume the most online porn in the U.S. Yeah. Um, so this professor at Harvard Business School analyzed anonymous credit card transactions and uh, tried to find a link uh, between online porn and the division of red and blue states, mm-hmm. you know, conservative and liberal. Um, and he wanted to basically answer the question of whether um, consumption patterns of, of porn reveal you know, two separate Americas. I mean, I think, I think probably his thesis going in was that you know, the liberal kind of more open-minded um, – uh, citizens, you know, the Californians, you know, the hippies in Oregon are probably consuming a lot more porn because they're open-minded, probably less... I think uh, it's different kinds of porn. Right. Well, 
what what happened was that this professor's uh, study showed that conservative states made the bulk made up the bulk of the porn subscriptions, and Utah was actually um, the state that consumed the most online porn. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it is a different kind of porn, right? I well, mean, okay, let's let's do, <laughs> let's do a little test. Okay, uh, the least religious cities, uh, you know, San Francisco, Boulder, Boston, according to this, this site. Are, are the least religious uh, cities? What do you think some of the searches they're doing on porn sites are like a, like a Pornhub? Wait, they so you at? have you have like what they're searching for? Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with let's see, um, probably you know stuff like amateur, um, maybe uh, threesomes, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of just basic kind of porn searches. Well, right? well, uh, number one is gay. Oh, okay. Well, so number that two makes sense. is lesbian. Okay. Um, we have big tits and we have teen, right? Okay. Uh, now you shift to the Bible, the Bible Belt, to the more religious cities, and this is where things get a little bit nastier. You have things like teen, uh, college, squirters, uh, wow. amateurs, and lesbians. So okay. Uh, yeah. So slightly, slightly dirtier. Yeah. Although, um, you know, that shocked me. I thought – I would think that there would be a lot of gay porn um, in conservative states. You know, like, you know, we always hear about these um, these very activist conservative um, senators and and congressmen in conservative states, you know, uh, you know, getting involved in scandals with, like, you know, uh, sure. gay, you know, Stuff. I think that was actually in an episode of Scandal. Was it? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that, you know, society down in the Bible Belt kind of puts a lot of um, – kind of puts a lot of pressure on on people who are a little unorthodox or maybe different yeah. um, to to well, kind of just suppress their, 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 their desires. Well, there is another uh... – Interesting article from uh, Pornhub as well about sexually repressive nations. Also watch a lot of porn. Uh, a lot of it is gay porn. Uh, but maybe what we should do to, you know, uh, further the growth of our readers is provide some of these articles along with the podcast so they can go ahead and yeah, okay. read this material themselves. Maybe even link to uh, a couple of these sites we've, we've mentioned. Okay. Um, assuming that we have listeners by the end of this. Uh, but yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, my, my view is that this case will be, um, will be dismissed, but would be dismissed outright, like pretty, pretty quickly. Um, you know, it's funny. What's, what's funny is that the late, um, founder and CEO of Apple computer, um, really hated porn and really wanted to rid the internet of porn and Steve Jobs, um, Steve Jobs. And, and to this day, that is why there aren't any, um, Adult-related apps allowed in the App Store, and the App Store um, submit, uh, submission process is so is so rough on uh, um, on, no on ad- adult content. I mean, if you remember, it seems uh, a little backwards though, because he's very open-minded. He's very open-minded, but I think that when he had children, he he kind of you know the the the, the parental sure. kind of sensibility kind of takes over when you have kids, right? Didn't Vine get pulled from the App Store at one point because of the porn? Um, so Vine has a porn problem right now. Tumblr has a huge porn problem. Um, another app that, uh, that we'll talk about later in the show, uh, Bang with Friends, um, was pulled from the app store and is concurrently not on the app store. It's on, it's, it's Facebook app is live, but it's mobile iPhone app was pulled 
because it referenced, you know, casual hooking up in a way that I think Apple didn't approve of. Okay. And so, you know, so Apple is pretty anti-porn. Um, and I think that, I mean, assuming, I mean, you know, assuming that this, this case actually had merit, which it doesn't, I think that Apple would, would give a pretty good case that it's, it's taken a lot of steps to prevent its, um, its users, um, from, from looking at porn. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, if you know how to read, you can figure out what, what is a, uh, what is, what is a porn site and what isn't. Um, it's not like. Uh, he opened up Safari, and his landing page was, you know, fuckbook.com. No, it wasn't. And I think that he navigated himself. I'm gonna, you know, one more time. I'm gonna try to Facebook. How about that? Facebook. You know, Facebook is coming up. I mean, Facebook is probably the second or third um, uh, in terms of Alexa ratings, right? In the world, oh, Facebook, yeah. with Google being, I think, number one. Google, YouTube, Facebook. Yeah, and Google and YouTube are. Or both Google, but yeah, I mean, Facebook. If you type anything with an F, Facebook is going to show up pretty much. Uh, yeah, anything with book. So I think that you know, I think it's crazy that this guy actually. And I think he, Google deprioritizes uh, explicit content in search results. Okay, so it's actually pretty hard to um, to access porn. Although you know, if you do, if you you know, I, I, I highly suggest incognito mode. <laughs> Um, you don't want to get you don't want to get in a situation where someone borrows your uh, computer. I've heard this happening to people. Yeah, where well, you're trying to go to YouTube and you might end up on a, on a different site just by typing you in. You know, like uh, UJIS, for example. Sure. Right. I, I mean, I've heard of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so okay, let's move on. Um, I, I feel bad segueing from from porn because I don't want to tarnish. Uh, you know, the lead into something awesome we're about to talk about. Well, so this show is not going to always be about porn. It probably, I mean, it's funny that we're, we're leading off with the, uh, with, with a porn, um, topic and that's not what this is about. Let's this not is, lie to ourselves. It will be talked about. Uh, and let's, let's give background okay. to people who don't know who we are. Um, Mike is a, um, technology entrepreneur here in San Francisco. Um, inactive, um, Investor and uh, business development um, expert in technology, right? Am I getting any of this right? No. No, no. Uh, but I do like uh, technology. Yeah. So, so, so Mike, Mike knows, knows the game, and I, and I, and I uh, I'm a lawyer. Um, I represent some interesting startup clients, um, and Mike and I love to kind of talk shop about, about tech and, and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, this, this is, uh, you know, a part of, part of the, part of the, you know, the, the impetus for starting this podcast was for us to be able to just kind of BS about, about, you know, the technology industry and, you know, yeah, I mean, this uh, is what we do anyways. Might as well record it. Right. And even if no one listens to it, we can listen to it right. whenever we want. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what's, what's up next, Mike? So, so up next is, uh, tech, our, our tech section, and this week what I really wanted to cover was Uber. Uh, for those of you that, that don't know, Uber is a uh, technology platform, I guess you would describe it, uh, for hailing yourself a cab. Uh, the genesis of it was in San Francisco where it's extremely hard to get a cab here, so what they did was took uh, underutilized supply of black cars and paired that up 
uh, with people that need to get places, and it's all done through your smartphone, right? Uh, through your iPhone, Android device, what have you. Uh, I think they started back in 2010 and have grown exponentially to where they are today. Uh, they're worldwide. They have incredible scale. Pretty much anywhere you get off a plane, you'll be able to hail an Uber, likely. Uh, am I missing anything? I think, you know, um, they, have, they have a lot of different options now. You can hail, hail taxis. You can hail black cars. You can hail uh, Uber X, which is kind of a peer-to-peer network where uh, I'm Joe Schmo. And I can, you know, drive my car around and pick up people on the network. I think I think most people are, are familiar. familiar with Uber. I mean, they're in how many cities now? I don't they're know. in well, like, Uber ice cream's in thirty three today. Oh wow! Okay, so they're <laughs> in at least thirty three uh, cities around the world. Uh, I mean, I started off as on demand limos, right? Kind of an excess capacity uh, yeah. application that leveraged mobile and um, the fact that a lot of um, uh, town car services uh, were sitting around waiting for people to call them, and it was an, it was a way to you know use that excess capacity and and track it across mm-hmm. the city and be able to um, uh, you know deliver that service to anybody who had yeah. a, a smartphone. Yeah. And it's really kind of changed living in a city. I think right. Oh. It's, it's it's really kind of made made living in a city so frictionless where, I mean, if you have money, which is kind of the, the biggest friction to using yeah. some of these services, um, you can pretty much get around anywhere and you'll always have a ride and you'll never worry. You'll never, oh. never again will you be standing on the curb um, trying to hail down it's, a yellow cab. It's amazing. It, I, can, I can walk out of a bar at 2.30 in the morning pretty drunk and know I'm going to be able to get a safe ride home. I hit pick me up. They come pick me up, they drop me off, and I'm good to go, uh, which is amazing. And when you're traveling, it's awesome, too. I was down in San Diego recently and had no idea how I was going to get around, but Uber's there, and it was, it was great for getting around town. Uh, but what, what they have launched today uh, is kind of this campaign across 33 cities of delivering ice cream to all their users, I think between, I don't know, 10 and 6 today, whatever the hours are, uh, local time. And this is big. I mean, I think, uh, you know, ice oh. cream is... Really, kind of the the side story here. Oh, um, it's the total side story. I mean, it's really cool. Like you know, it's the middle of the summer. It's you know, it's, it's, it's fucking cold here. It's freezing cold in San Francisco. It's, they should be doing hot chocolate instead. It's, it's sixty two degrees right but now. But it's hot as hell in New York right now. It is a hundred degrees yeah. in New York. So what they do is they you can hail the Uber ice cream trucks. They'll come to your office or wherever you are, give you five uh, things of ice cream and a lot of Uber swag. I think they're handing out sunglasses and tank tops whatever, and uh, for like 20 or 30 bucks, depending on where you are. And I think this is brilliant on so many different levels. I'll start with... Sorry, I just knocked over my Coke there. I'll, I'll, I'll start... Uh, <laughs> I think it's... Last year, I think they did this for San Francisco, maybe New York. Do you know where they did it last year? I think it was definitely San Francisco. Ice cream? Ice cream so I remember pedicaps. I remember... Um, well, they've done what a lot. They've done? What else have they done? They've like, done Uber Barbecue. Uber Barbecue. In South by Southwest. Okay. They did the helicopter plane ride on the Hamptons. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uber Chopter. Uh, one of my favorite ones, actually, is in D.C. Uh, the Uber Motorcade. The Motorcade. Yes, that's so right. So funny. You, get, you, you hail it, and one lucky person gets picked up in a motorcade. So, you know, you've got the, the two SUVs guiding you around with the, you know, the center cars. Uh, but 
I, they've come a long way, and they oh, and they fought think, regulatory issues. They fought in a ton of regulatory issues. Actually, Mike. Um, just after I met Mike when we became buddies a couple of years back, we actually went to Uber's launch party together. Yeah. Um, and so we've been kind of fans of the of the application and more just kind of um, admirers of the of the of the issue that they're they're tackling. Yeah. And. Um, you know, I think that, you know, what do you think, you know, all this, you know, the, the, the barbecue, the, the ice cream, what, what does this kind of say about what Uber well, is trying I think to it's, do? I think it's tackling two things at the same time. And the first, uh, before I get to the broader vision of what I, what I think they're trying to do, is I think it's a beautiful kind of user acquisition model uh, in distribution, right? So, uh, hey, it's Uber ice cream, and I'm in maybe a newly launched city, maybe Indianapolis or wherever. Uh, my coworkers are like, hey what's this, right? And you're like, oh, it's this really cool app. It's on demand. Uh, I get a car and it comes and picks me up. And then I was like, shit, I need that. People download it. So I think the user acquisition model is really smart because you are with a group of friends that are getting this ice cream and they may or may not know what Uber is. I think that's smart. It's really smart PR-wise, too. I did a quick search in Google for Uber ice cream, and I saw that it was mentioned in a ton of different major press outlets, you know, in Boston. I think they do. I think Uber definitely does a great job so of, of, of PR. PR. Is amazing. But I yeah. think the, the broader story is they're, they're using it to test kind of this fabric they've built in all these cities as a logistics company. I think the next yeah. the thing that they're going to start, you know, experimenting with is how can I get XYZ on demand? Maybe it's ice cream. Maybe it's food. Uh, they've built out this platform that's really well done. And the customer service is top-notch, too, right? You have a problem. Uh, it's going to get taken care of. I got incorrectly billed the other night. I was taken care of in two days, and they dropped $5 in my account. So I think what they're really doing is kind of building this fabric in, in cities that makes it easy not only to get from point A to point B, but to get me something now. And, and, and the, data, the data they have on on, oh, on it's insane. On, I mean, just location of of you know popular their heat maps. I know that um, if you ever talk to an Uber driver, they yeah. they'll, they'll show you the the driver facing side of the application. Where you should be going to pick up right. passengers, and you know they're it's kind of light years ahead of of some of their competitors, which right. I think are great. Um, I'm a huge fan of Lyft. Um, I think that you know there's very very few scenarios where I want. Anything other than um, a peer-to-peer rideshare, yeah. because I think it it, it satisfies my um, transportation needs. Yeah. You know, fine. I don't need a black car, ninety-nine point nine percent of the time. My my biggest problem with uh, the peer-to-peer is that some people are creeped out by it. I'm not creeped out about it at all. Uh, I think it's the not knowing the cities. Right. Uh, That's true. If That's I need true. to get somewhere quick, I'm late for a meeting. Chances are I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to either try to use Uber Taxi or get a taxi because those guys are going to be going 20 miles above the speed limit and knowing where they're going in the city. Right. I, I think that's true. The, the and other I think- day I was in a – I think it was a Lyft. Uh, I'm not going to say who it was. I'm not sure. But uh, they tried to go down this Muni terminal down here down by the ballpark because they had no fucking idea where they were going. Uh, apparently, there's a lot of these peer-to-peer drivers coming in from Oakland. Uh, that are gas station attendants or, you know, janitorial workers or uh, folks that, you know, are working in Oakland. But the month, the pay is pretty good. The pay is great. And they're coming over here. They don't know where they're going. In the well, state. so let's let's back up a bit. So Lyft, if you haven't heard of it, is kind of Uber's biggest competition uh, to date. There are other... In, 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 in Seattle, in, 
in the transportation space. Sure. Mike was talking about how Uber, I think, has you know grander visions for um, kind of just logistics and um, urban data. I mean, if you're in 33 or you know 40 cities around the world and you have all this data about drivers and, and passengers, I think that you can build a, a pretty awesome logistics platform and maybe have an API and push that out. Um, you know, yeah. to delivery services, bring on service providers, yeah, right? uh, delivery world, services, world, small businesses, whatever. Um, so I think that there's a lot of potential there. Um, but, but on the transportation, let's stick, stick to that for a second. Um, you know, it's kind of this, this competition is kind of uh, heating up. Um, so Lyft, which is probably Uber's biggest competition, really, I think popularized the ride sharing that oh. now Uber is kind of is, is, is going full court, you know, full, full court press in on, um, Lyft just raised like 60 million bucks from investors, including Andreessen Horowitz. So, you know, they're, they're, they're serious business and I think they're behind. I think they're only in like four city, three cities right now, yeah. four cities, but they just took on a bunch of money. And I think that how many rides are they doing a week? Isn't it like 30,000 rides? rides? And, you know, they kind of made the ride sharing cool. And I think Uber, I don't think they want to admit this, but Uber was kind of the second mover in that market. I mean, yeah. I think they had Uber X was out, but they kind of just thought of it as an afterthought until Lyft really kind of started to get traction in San Francisco. And Lyft, if you've seen them around SF, um, is, you can um, you know, is... Are the, are the cars with the big pink mustaches um, and you see them everywhere and some people don't like that some people kind of you know think it's a great sign of their culture I mean yeah. they're, they're very they're very kind of cool and hip um, you know the drivers that are attracted to Lyft are kind of the more you know the easygoing kind of maybe they work at a restaurant in the day yeah. or they have a very strong community uh, driver community Right. Uh, they do. I, I've heard they do events for their drivers. Yeah, they, okay. go, they go to the Golden Gate Park and they'll cook, have a barbecue for all their drivers on a Saturday. That's cool. That's cool. It's very cool. I mean, a perfect example is my um, a cousin of mine is, is staying with with me this week, and she's looking for apartments and took a lift out to Ocean Beach, and not knowing that it would cost you know an <laughs> arm and a leg. So she gets she gets there, and it's like Forty Third and Geary or something, away, like two blocks from the water. If you know San Francisco, this is this is a long yeah, ways out. And the the lift was forty dollars, forty two dollars one way. Yeah. And the driver, you know, during the during the course of the conversation, they'd kind of become friendly, and was giving her tips on neighborhoods to look at for apartments and things to do in the city. And felt so bad that this um, that this ride had cost Roxy forty forty three bucks. He offered to stick around and give her a ride back into the city for free. It's fucking awesome, right? So I mean, I mean, Amazing. so so Lyft is a really cool community of part time drivers. You know, they're they're you know, like I like you said, a lot of them are horrible at directions. Yeah. And um, if you're you know if you're and which is fine because it is you know I understand that they don't know the city. It's you know you can give them directions. Uh, so if you're in the mood to have, converse and give directions, it's amazing. Right, but if you're like, I need to get from point A to point B. I don't have time to give you directions. Uh, it's not as great. Uh, Lyft is also funny because you kind of build these relationships yeah, with absolutely. the drivers, and then you know, I took a lift from the airport, and you know, we had a great forty minute combo on the way back in traffic, and then it's like, hey man, that was like great meeting you. Just like never see you again. Yeah, I mean, one of my <laughs> one of my favorite Lyft, uh, Lyft drivers was a twenty 
four-year-old uh, graduate of UC Santa Barbara who was just hustling. Um, and he basically moved to the city without a job and started driving on yeah. Lyft and wanted to get into tech. And so everybody oh. that everybody that he was he was meeting, he was asking for their business card, you know, asking them who he should talk to, what kind of companies he should be looking at. Honestly, that's a fucking amazing idea. Yeah. And so he's just, you know, he got my phone number, he texted me, he said thanks, you know, he said um, if you have any, you know, ideas of kind of companies I should look at. And I I think I texted him a couple of thoughts, but you know, that's the kind of thing that makes that makes uh, you know, the the community of Lyft so cool. And, you know, I, I use both apps. I, I use Uber. I use Lyft. Is that it? Are those are your only two kind of transportation apps? Um, you know. There's there's Flywall or Flywheel. Flywheel. I've never Halo. used. Halo. I've never, uh, I don't think Halo is available on SF, oh, is it? Okay. Uh, maybe not. Um, right there's there's Instacab, which is. So, so, so they're all kind of. Uber doesn't really have um, an identifier on their, on their peer-to-peer cars. They're just cars. Right. Uh, Lyft, of course, is the pink mustache. Right. Uh, sidecar, do they have anything or no? I don't think so. And, so. and I know that... No, no, Sidecar does. Sidecar has the orange, um, like, booties or, like, orange pouches on the um, on the uh, rearview mirrors, okay? Okay. So, uh, and, and I think maybe they just started rolling these out, but I, 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 I used, a, I used a, a Sidecar, and it's two sure. orange kind of... Um, pouches that cover the um, rear view okay. mirrors. And then Instacab has like a lightning bolt on, like a lightning bolt, like. Is Instacab uh, a cab service or is it peer to peer? I think that's a cab service. It's got to be a cab service. Yeah. Um, but again, I think, I think right now the two that are, you know, way far ahead are Lyft and Uber. And you can tell that Uber recognized Lyft as competition when they lowered their prices. Um, you know, to match Lyft's, uh, you know, uh, uh, think, price value. I think Uber always wanted to go downstream in price and get to that lower price point, which is why they started UberX. And the genesis of UberX is actually convincing uh, limo drivers to buy hybrid cars for lower gas and, and fuel economy and everything. Uh, and that would be a lower price, which is great. It was. It was still more money than a cab, less than the black car service. Uh, and maybe they were scared to get into the peer-to-peer space okay. because of regulatory issues. I don't, I'm, this is I hypothetical, mean, right? Because Uber has had to fight pretty much a regulatory battle in every city they've launched in. And one more thing would be this peer-to-peer you know, ride-sharing. Where right. And ride-sharing is definitely controversial. I mean, most, most uh, young women that I talk to in the city – are skeptical about Lyft before they try it because they think yeah. I'm not getting into a My random guy's super car. Out by it. Yeah, um, I have friends down in LA when they launched. They launched in LA earlier this year, um, and I was really excited. I'm originally from Los Angeles, and um, told a lot of friends down there about it, and some of them were really skeptical. They loved the idea of Uber yeah. because these these were these were drivers with um, with with, right. with taxi licenses who drove their own uh, limos and town cars and it was kind of a seamless transition it's instead of calling the town car company you can just you know i think uber might have an advantage there too because they have this established brand right and the peer-to-peer thing's not that scary right because uh, for instance my girlfriend was kind of skeptical of lyft i'm not going to get one of those without you or whatever 
the other night, I think she went to a concert, got in a Uber X, which is Lyft. Right. So it's and, essentially, and, it's right. the Uber, it's the Uber brand. Right. The brand. And she's like, oh my God, that's amazing. It was $12 to get up, up north where it's usually 20 bucks. Which I think is great. I think that Uber, and, and, and Uber gets a lot of, a lot of criticism in the press for being like, um, you know, innovation for the 0.01%, you know, I mean, I think. I mean, even even you or I, like we we can't afford to take an Uber every every single Not day. Hard, I no. mean, no, I mean, I mean now maybe I'll take I'll take I mean a few times a week I'll take Uber X's, but you know I mean I think it's I mean unless you don't have a car um, and you. And you're only taking Uber X. I mean, it's expensive. It's yeah. it's not you know it's not for the average person. The average middle class family can't afford to just take on demand uh, rideshare cars everywhere they go. Yeah. Uh, they do have fare splitting now, which is I'm really excited to try that out. That's cool. And another another reason why I mean Uber I think is is ahead in terms of um, user interface design of their mobile applications, um, kind of like innovations. Um, uh, on the platform, like the ice cream, yeah, and just kind of testing out new logistical. Their operations frameworks. are pretty amazing. Yeah, the way they've scaled, that they're in like forty cities or something like that. Um, you know, I think they're they, they've got a lot going for them, and I think that that they are coming downstream in the market yeah. from the the one percent, and hoping to attract the uh, the, the the middle American kind of you know average yeah. you know person and I think Lyft is starting with a very community based ride share for everybody yeah. you know give us a donation by the way I think it's kind of bullshit yeah. um, I mean it's just the way it skirts the law it or is. at least it you know. I mean so I mean I guess they'll probably end up having to change that because yeah. I know someone who always gives lower than the donation and he's not even using Lyft anymore because yeah. I think that. Lyft, you get blackballed. Yeah, actually. Lyft will blackball you if you don't, um, if you don't, you know, pay the the, the requested donation right. consistently. So, I think it's a really interesting. Um, it's an interesting time. It's a really interesting time. I think it's going to be awesome to see where Uber and Lyft kind of take themselves. And it, it, it was such a regulatory, like it was such a regulated industry that provided such a shit experience. Right. And now it's a lot of fun. And I think, I think it's, it's probably one of my favorite, my favorite innovations in the, in the mobile, in the mobile era. Oh, yeah. era right. I mean, to, to be able, I mean, transportation, I mean, the transportation is one of those core, those core, um, necessities, right? Yeah. I mean, you think about having the, the ability to, to move around efficiently. That is, is something that really didn't get tackled until these apps came about. I mean, we were still, I, I lived in, in uh, Soma in 2010 before Uber launched. And I can't oh, I tell you, I, yeah, I can't tell you if there wasn't a Giants game, I lived right by the ballpark. And I can't tell you how hard it was on a Friday night to hail a cab on the corner of Townsend and Third Street, which is a pretty yeah. popping kind of active area, you know, without you know getting lucky. Like, luckily, maybe if someone got dropped off at the Beacon or yeah. something, it was hard. It was it made living in. The, I mean, I had canceled plans before. I'd gotten in arguments because we were running late for a party, and you know, just to have that app or the ability to to launch an app yeah. and, and have a car at your disposal is, is I, unbelievable. Speaking of. Completely agree. By the way, maybe maybe next week we need to talk about the Hyperloop as innovation. Oh and yeah, right? yeah. Getting, getting to LA in, in thirty minutes to New York City in an hour. 
I think we need to talk about. We could put. I mean, we, we'll talk about this at another time. The hyperloop. We'll talk about driverless cars. I mean, honest. But by, by the time our grandchildren are around, there will. I mean, I think transportation will be completely different. They'll be. They'll be talking about, you know, you know, driving. Um, you know, like a like a Toyota Camry, the way that we we think about um, like a horse and buggy. I yeah. mean, I think that. You know, yeah. the next the next thirty to forty years are going to be really, really awesome for for, for transportation. Well, maybe this is a good time to transition to innovation happening in the matchmaking uh, and okay. dating space, right? Okay. So, so we've gone from kind of this, this porn to tech, and now it's kind of kind of segue to maybe city living as, as an urban guy. Right? Uh, there's been a lot of you know trying to find a mate. It's hard. I think I think that um, so when Mike and I started this um, idea. Um, maybe this is it. Maybe this will be the only one, guys. <laughs> this, this might be just, you know, a relic. Or maybe we're going to blow up. Maybe maybe <laughs> you're looking at the new uh, the newest Bill Simmons and Jim Rome or something. Uh, but no, we, we wanted to talk about, you know, a variety of things that interest us um, across the realm of our interests because we both, we both kind of um, dabble in, in a lot of different things. And so one of them was pop culture and kind of sports. And we tackled that with the with the big lawsuit um, this week against Apple. And one of them was tech. You know, we're both pretty, pretty uh, nerdy mm-hmm. about, um, about consumer technology and um, the Silicon Valley technology ecosystem. And then one of them is just kind of, you know, city living and, um, you know, being a um, kind of a, a guy in a, in a big city like San Francisco and kind of the, you know, what, what's life like out here and, you know, kind of stuff that we're interested in. And so, like you were saying... That was a long ramble. That was a long ramble. What was that? I mean, we still got to kind of give... No, tell, no, no. Tell, tell our, tell our <laughs> listeners what we are. <laughs> got to give them our value prop. Um, so what were you saying? It was... We were talking about dating apps. We're, we're, we're segueing into dating in the... What century are we in? Are we in the 21st or 21st? 21st. Yeah, dating in the, in the 21st century. In the teens. Dating yeah. in the teens. 2013. Yeah. Dating in the teens. So dating in the aughts, which was last decade, was was probably characterized by text messaging, right? Yeah. I, I mean, text messaging. Uh, how did you date in college? Uh, you know, I don't know if this is suitable for our audience. Uh, dating in college. Yeah, I guess text messaging. Because in mine, I'm, I'm, I'm a couple years older than Mike. Um, text messaging, I remember... I remember convincing my my uh, my girlfriend, my first girlfriend in college in 2002, to to add a text messaging plan to her phone, and she had to ask her dad because oh, you're fucking old. yeah, I am old. And you know, back in that day, it was AIM. I mean, everybody had instant. That was like middle school for me. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're that young. Do okay. you follow uh, your away message on Twitter? Uh, no. So no. funny. Oh, I got it. Okay. Let's okay. check this out. Okay. It's like uh, out for dinner. Sell. <laughs> period. <laughs> Anyways, so so AIM was kind of like the first kind of yeah, way digital, to flirt, like digital, digital way to flirt. Yeah, sure. digital way to flirt. Um, text messaging kind of became big. Uh, it was then, also kind of the, the advent of Match.com and other dating websites, where it was still kind of the stigma was weird that you know you met someone online, and I don't. I think that's kind of gone now. I, don't think, I think it's are. I think it's kind of gone, but only recently for the younger generation. I think yeah. I think that you know Match.com and eHarmony they they always kind of attracted the 
the older crowd yeah. who didn't have time to date. And yeah. and I think it never really caught on with the young college crowd. They always kind of thought of it as weird. And then okay, Cupid kind of came around and made it a little cooler, yeah. right? That's a younger site. Younger site, kind of more design-focused, a little bit more simple and more, I guess, hip is yeah. the word I, I use. Yeah. Um, the problem with dating sites is... God, I think where I can't remember. I read this this week, but you know, guys are constantly just hitting up girls on dating. Yeah, it's a dude fest. It's and, a dude fest, and there's this and like you send out I think twenty messages to get one response back as a as a dude or whatever, and a, a girl it's one to five. There's a total. There's a total imbalance, right? Right, because if you take a, a guy and a girl who are similarly attractive, um, the girl is going to get bombarded with messages, right? And, and you, and it really, it really, and they're probably going to end up responding to guys who are just really good at gaming, you know, really good at being kind of fake and cheesy and aggressive and, and, and funny online. And that that might not even be the guy that they, they actually like. So, um, I think that nowadays though, there, I think, um, a ton of cool new, technology platforms that have kind of made dating online acceptable and cool and actually normal and something that people brag about. Right. I mean, in the last couple of years, I've, I mean, even the last year. Oh, uh, one of my buddies last night threw a picture on Instagram of his grouper. Everyone that was in the grouper with them. That's great. Going fishing. I love that. So, so Grouper, Grouper is a really kind of funny. Uh, I think it's a Y Combinator company, isn't it? Is it? Let me let me uh, look let's that up. A quick search I think here. it we is. Want to false uh, put portfolios and yeah. Okay. Companies don't together. don't quote me on that, please. Um, about Grouper, Grouper Social Club. So the whole the whole background on Grouper is. Um, and we need a fact checker. We need to hire an intern. Right? Oh, I'm fact checking right now while you keep talking. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll do the fact check. So Grouper is ba- essentially a, a internet platform that sets up two groups of people, um, three guys and three girls on a date. So you hook up with two of your friends uh, of the same sex and sign up for a Grouper. And their platform asks you a couple of questions. They were in Y Combinator. Oh, awesome. Winter 2012, so recently. Okay. And so you and your friends answer a couple of questions like, you know, where in the city you like to hang out, what's your idea of a good time, that kind of stuff. And then Grouper schedules a date for you, a time for you to meet at a bar in the city, Mm -hmm. and you and your two friends meet a group of three girls. Or if you're three girls, you meet three guys. And the idea is that you are in a, in a really unawkward, as 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 unawkward as it could be. You're you're with two other of your friends. So if if the girls are just totally not your type, you guys can just kind of sit around and laugh and joke and maybe even talk to them friendly. But it's you know you're not on an awkward date where you're you know right. playing the interview game and and like just counting down until you can leave, right? Mm. Have you had an awkward experience yet? Uh, so I've been on two groupers. Um, let's let's uh, uh, just get throw that out there. Um, so the first one I went on, 
was was fun. I'm not gonna lie. It was yeah. you know I was not I was not romantically or sexually into any of the girls mm-hmm. on the date, but I went with um, a good friend of mine, Omar, and his roommate, and you know kind of went in with pretty low expectations. I think that it was it was during the NCAA tournament, so there was basketball on, and um, we were at a bar in North Beach, and. I actually went up to a group of girls and asked them if they were the grouper <laughs> and it wasn't them and it was kind of awkward and then they started making fun of me a little bit. Um, but, you know, like I said, it was pretty it was pretty unawkward for meeting new people. Did you buy them drinks? So grouper cost $20 per person. No, I mean after the $20. Well, so after – so the so $20 um, gets you the grouper – and one drink with the the bar that's hosting your grouper. Mm-hmm. And so I think they have partnerships with bars across town in a variety of neighborhoods and you know you you get you go there and you tell the bartender you're there for the grouper and they kind of have their, the first round is on on the bar. So we we ended up having probably like three more rounds after that and a lot the girls that we ended up meeting they'd all kind of recently moved to the city uh, youngish, like, you know, 24, 25, um, friendly, nice people. They had all, two of them knew each other from work. One of them was a a new friend and it was fun. I mean, I think that, you know, if, if there's one, if there's one really attractive girl in the group, you know, you'll see like the three of you will end up taking turns talking to her, Mm -hmm. but it's not like a two on two where, where you're kind of fighting over someone because there's always at least two other people to talk to. Sure. And even if you're not talking in kind of a romantic way, it's kind of fun. It's just like like I, my my first grouper experience was was totally friendly. Like it was friend zone from the first second. It was great. Yeah. And we and there's no expectations. I didn't ask any of the girls for their phone numbers afterwards, and I don't think that they I don't think that they expected me to or wanted me to. But yeah. they had a fun night. We had a fun night. We had maybe three or four drinks each and a fun Thursday night. Yeah. So I think it's cool. I mean, I think, what about tandem? What about two on two? So there's this other app called, called tandem that I haven't heard much about it. I did go to their launch party. It was great. Uh, I think it's two on two. Yeah. I haven't, two on two I haven't, I haven't done two on two to be honest. It doesn't sound as fun to me. I think that the problem with two on two is let's say there's one girl of the two that both of you are really into, right? You can either both talk to her at the same time, leaving this other person completely out of the conversation, right? And that sucks. And that that sucks for everybody because she's just going to whisper into her friend's ear and say, let's get the hell out of here. No one's talking. Mother goose. Right. Or one guy's talking to the, you know, the catch and the other guy's kind of being nice and talking to the other one. Falling on a grenade. Yeah, falling on a grenade. But then he's going to want to butt in and kind of switch it up every ever so often. Sure. So there's this kind of like back and forth, like who gets to talk to the one. And, you know, there's just it, – it gets really adversarial. With the three-on-three, there's always at least two other people. And you can kind of have like a group chat, right? There's no one-on-one awkwardness with someone that you don't like. Like even – I think even having two people that you don't like is better than having one person that you don't like yeah. because you can kind of just like – they can talk to each other. You can chime in. 
you know, three's 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 company. Do you think do you think Gruber is growth hacking and putting in kind of uh, giving free free uh, groupers to their best female members? Because so I've read online some guys are saying uh, these girls are way too way too interested into what I was saying. And our our other friend, uh, who I will not name because I don't know if he wants us naming him or not. His name is Alex. Or Sean. Or Sean. <laughs> uh, they, they, they thought it came way too easy. Uh, so what are your thoughts? I think – so there was definitely no one being – no one paid on my first grouper. I went on a second grouper and there were um, – there were two – Pretty attractive girls. This is with Greg and Betts? Yeah, Greg and Betts. Sorry, uh, Betsy. Betsy and Greg. <laughs> Gregor. Yeah. Uh, anyways, they were both uh, – there were two – I mean, actually, all three girls were really fun. I would say two girls I was attracted to, um, one more so than the other. But, you know, maybe – you know, I found out after the fact that one of the attractive girls actually had a boyfriend. So – What's that tell you, right? Why is she on this grouper? Is she paying 20 bucks to go spend time with three guys? Um, Or is grouper just want to get her on board because, you know, they need attractive women on the platform? I mean, if there aren't attractive women on the platform, guys are not going to speak very highly of the service and they're going to – Right, and they're you know, I mean, I think you know, girls are the life, you know, the lifeblood of this. If of, I of was one of like the buyers of Grouper, I would totally do that. Yeah. Plant, plant people uh, that do well. I mean, clubs do it, right? Yeah. Clubs, clubs, you know, let, totally. let let attractive women in for free, so that it looks more exciting inside. I mean, attractive women are an indicator of of like they're they're kind of social proof, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe. So I went – yesterday actually, I was at a happy hour thrown by Zynga um, and it was pretty awesome because a friend of mine works there and he was just – it was open bar. Yeah. And it was across the street from – or a couple blocks away from Zynga. And I'm at the bar and there's a pretty attractive girl standing next to me and we just kind of start talking and – um, her friend comes over and we all start talking and I think they're kind of interested and, you know, it's very casual. It's only like 10 minutes in, but, um, the friend is like, why don't you buy us some shots? And I already knew that all the drinks were kind of paid for on, you know, on Zynga <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't tell, I didn't tell them that, but I said, okay. And I just kind of looked over at the bar and I said, you know, put three more on the tab <laughs> and, it turns out these girls were on were on a grouper. They said, "How long are you going to be here? We'll be back in twenty minutes." And I said, "Why?" And they said, "Well, we're on a grouper." And I was like, well, "Why are you here talking to me, taking shots with me?" Yeah. And they're like, "Don't worry, we'll be back in twenty minutes." And you could just tell as soon as they walked over that they were so over their grouper. Yeah, they they were. It was a total mismatch. It was like three really nerdy dudes and like some attractive girls and the girls were kind of just being friendly, but like the, the most attractive one was just playing with her phone the entire time, Mm -hmm. not making eye contact. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's an imperfect system. You can't really see pictures of any of the girls that are going to be on your grouper. So you go in completely blind. What about, yeah. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's a hit or miss. It's, you have, you kind of have to take a leap of faith going into it and you, 
The worst case scenario, though, is you're gonna have a great time with your buddies. Right. That's the worst case scenario. As long as you're going in because you're guys, getting a drink out of it. Yeah. Probably a couple more. Uh, you're gonna have a good time with your friends. Yeah, I think so. And I think, but I, but one thing I'm kind of skeptical about is is their matching algorithm if they have one. Or I mean, I think it's human personally. I mean, assuming that they're not. Oh yeah. They're not inviting. Uh, you know, attractive women to come and use the platform for free to make, make the service seem better. I think that there has to be someone there that's, that's matching people up. Someone's playing Cupid. Someone's playing Cupid and it's not, it's not an algorithm. It's not technology because I mean, I think that, do you rate your experience when you're done? You rate your experience. They, you know, let me open the app. They maybe what they're doing now is kind of doing this all manually and feeding this into their algorithm. Right. But I also think that based on certain factors, for example, it says, was your Thursday night fun? Hell no. And then, let's see, it asks you a couple of questions like, how was the bar? How were the girls? Yeah. Um, pretty general, right? Like, were they on time? So I think that you kind of like you do with Uber or any other any other kind of social experience, you're getting rated uh, both sides, right? Yeah. You're getting rated, the driver's getting rated, or here it's the guys are getting rated by the girls and the girls are rating the guys. And I think that what maybe maybe the the higher rated people will end up um, yeah. end up yeah. getting matched together. And the shitty people, the shitty people. I don't know. You got to think that like. Sexual or physical attraction has to go into. Um, Do you, what's the long game? What's the long game for grouper? The, so I followed up. I had drinks. It was a very no, 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 no for the company. Oh, the long what, game. What, which long game do you want to talk about first? Let's let's go there first. Let's talk about is this a suitable app to find uh, someone you want to date and potentially? I absolutely do. Uh, what I think it does is that it it really nicely mimics um, real life social interactions, yeah. right? You go out, you and I might go out with our friends tonight in a group, right? And we're more confident as guys because we're around our friends who all like us. Yeah. And so if one of us decides to go up to another group of girls, you got some wingmen, we have some wingmen and we know that they have, you know, she has wingmen and it's easy to bring them in as opposed to being a solo guy going up to a group of girls. Yeah. So it, it kind of, it's kind of like that social lubricant, like having your group behind you, friends that like you and know about you and, and are friends with you. So I think it works. And I think that it's just a, a way to facilitate that using technology, although it's not really a tech heavy company. Yeah. Well, I did hear that uh, – I think it was reading on Hacker News that the the person that coordinates everything uh, – what's her name? Shallon? Shallon, she yeah. She works at the company. She's there. But I think there might be some artificial intelligence baked in as well. Interesting. Okay. I saw a job posting so that the, the, this concierge uh, has kind of some you know AI built into it. Okay. Scheduling. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean I think, that, cool. I think that it's, it's – um, with some tweaks, it could be really cool. I mean it's still fun. I, I even if I had a girlfriend, I would go on a grouper um, every once in a while. If my uh, if I was with friends who who are single and want to meet new women, yeah. I mean, like like I said, I think it was I had pretty non romantic, non sexual experiences with grouper. I've never hooked up with someone on a grouper. I've heard of people that have. Yeah, I have. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, I, I took. I, I met up with a, a girl. That, 
uh, uh, that I went on a grouper with uh, for a drink. But she ended up just talking about her ex-boyfriend uh, for, like, the entire night. Um, she went on a grouper because she just got out of a six-year relationship. Yeah. So, you know, but she was cool. She was nice. She's probably, like, a friend now, you know? Um, so it's it's. I think it's a good way to facilitate meeting new people in the city and not just in a – in a sexual context, because you think about it, you, you move to a new city like San Francisco, you're meeting new people all the time. And some of them are, you know, romantic, you're romantically interested and some you're not. Yeah. Right. So it, it's good. I think it has potential. What about the business model? Is that too philosophical right now or too high level? No, no. Uh, they're making, they're, they're making, making 120 money. bucks for every group. For every day. Right? For every day. Uh, do you think that, I mean, they obviously have a bar, deal kind of with a bar, so they're not paying. So cool six drink drinks, bar. let's say six drinks at like, even let's say seven bucks. So that's 42 bucks for drinks. Okay. Yeah. So they're pocketing. Call it $80. Let's call it 80 bucks. That's a lot. More. That's a lot of money. I mean, per grouper. Yeah, you go on a couple groupers a month. So do you think. Your, your standard dating subscription costs you what online? 20 to $40, usually 30 to 40 bucks, I think. So, assuming they do 50 groupers a day, you think they do 50 groupers a day? In New York City? Hell yeah. So, 1500 1500 a month, and they're making 80 bucks on them? That's 120 grand a month, right there. Assuming that they're doing 50 groupers a day. Yeah. That's a lot of they money. They definitely are. And I think they're probably doing more. And I think they're probably doing like 200 groupers a day. Where do you think they go next, More besides more cities? Because um, it seems like it's going to be. I think they should got. They got to do freemium. I, yeah. I think they'd have to go into like you can you can um, look at some active grouper um, people and kind of like you know prefer these people or something or like maybe that. Maybe they they bridge the gap between offline and online and create more of an online experience as well. Yeah, because there there really isn't an online experience. Right? Maybe you, if you pay a monthly subscription, you have access online where you can actually message right. other people in the group or network. I don't know. Because that's, a ton of money is made online for dating sites. It's a paywall for your love life, which is a great way to monetize. So imagine if you can see uh, a basic profile of every girl who's ever been on a grouper. And if you're a paid member, you can message one of those girls because she's already done a grouper, so she's, yeah, she's like, part of the system. Hey, hey, and you can message her and say, hey, we should coordinate a grouper. And, of course, that's a lot... Uh, that's a lot more frictionless than asking a girl out on a one-on-one match.com, oh, yeah. right? And she's more willing to be like, okay, I'll give it a shot. That's These yeah. are my two friends. Find two friends. I want to take you out on a grouper. And you're going into this group date already with kind of like a head start on your friends yeah. with that one girl. So Maybe they're thinking of this. Maybe not. Maybe we should be strategy consultants for grouper. I, don't I, know. I think I could be. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I think uh, I think I think it's fun. I think any way to meet new people that makes the internet that lets the internet get out of the way is great. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Tinder, real quick? I think I would love to hear your thoughts because I'm not I'm not currently using any of these things. As I mentioned, I have a girlfriend, but uh, she's great, by the way. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I think Tinder is really cool because it's an asynchronous way to signal to someone that you're interested in them. Uh, so what we mentioned earlier in the show was, you know, guys are just constantly bombarding inboxes of people on dating sites. 
there has to be a mutual connection for you to say uh, so you can talk to this person. I like to call it uh, double opt-in. Double opt-in. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, AngelList is the same thing for recruiting talent for your, your company. Yeah. You say, I'm interested in you, they're interested, and you're interested in them. They shoot you an intro saying, hey, you guys should talk. Uh, the double opt-in, I think, is a, a lot of A lot of, um, not a lot, but some, some VCs that who blog frequently talk about uh, double opt-in as, as, a, as a way to facilitate intros. So if someone wants to, to meet someone that you know, it's best to it's best to ask the other person the other person before you do the intro. Yeah. So both people have opted in and have agreed to do the intro before you actually send it out. So one person isn't burdened with this, um, you know, unannounced request. Double opt-in, I think, is awesome. It's a great user experience. It's got to be hard as shit to build in terms of building that community. So. Tinder did a great job. I don't know a lot about the company. I do know that they, and and this is really rare for 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 me or you, um, you know, being in San Francisco and kind of being surrounded by yeah. all these entrepreneurs that are making these awesome social yeah. uh, mobile apps and stuff. Um, I heard about Tinder from my 19 year old brother, and I, and he heard about it. Through people on his college campus. I think it's a big college thing. Yeah. And so I think what Tinder did was they didn't do the splashy tech crunch launch, you know, like no, like a color or a Facebook. What they did was they they launched the product on the app store, but I think they did a lot of kind of guerrilla marketing. Fraternities, uh, sororities. Fraternities, sororities, you know, strategically at certain colleges so that – they could get some traction that way. Hey, look, this is like hot or not. You say yes, they say yes, then you can message them. For girls, it's great. They're not getting bombarded with messages. They're only getting messages from guys that they've pre-selected. Yeah, double opt-in. Double opt-in. I, I think, uh, yeah, the double opt-in is great. And the idea of flicking how they have the user interface yeah. is awesome, right? You're waiting in line for pizza, or uh, waiting in line to, get, to go somewhere, you open up Tinder, you flick through, yes, 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 no, no, no. After the movie, you have two new people you're interested in that are double opt in. It's, it's better than a game, right? It's better than playing like Temple Run or Dots. It's like, <laughs> it's like you have five minutes and you're just essentially flipping through like kind yeah. of like a magazine, like who's here, who's it, available. And it totally feeds that narcissism, narcissism that you have. Right. Who's interested in me? Who's interested I want to know me. who's interested in me. For the record, nobody's interested in me. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> I, I, I messed around with Tinder a little bit. Um, Are you on it anymore? I, I still have the app downloaded. Um, I, I need to work on my Tinder game. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, game. it's a definite game. And so, you know, I have two younger brothers, um, who are a lot cooler than me. One's 20 and one's 24 and they're both, you know, they use Tinder. They, 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 they're active on it. Yeah. And the middle brother who's 24. He, um, he, he'll, he'll like screenshot me like a, a Tinder exchange <laughs> that he's done that he's pretty proud of, Yeah, you know, because he acts a little cocky. He not too cocky. Um, and, and humor is key, sure. right? Like you got to make them laugh within like the first, like two or three lines or you're done for, or you're done for like the worst thing you can do is just say, Hey, how's your day going? Right. Because presumably an attractive girl on Tinder, like a girl that you, you're really interested in 
is probably getting yesed by every single guy that sees her show up in their feed, right? So every single guy she's saying So she probably has like a 100% conversion rate, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Off the charts. Right. So essentially she's probably eight or nine guys. Like she probably opens the app, says yes to 10 people. And she's she probably She probably 10. eight or nine of them are 10. Yeah. yeah. So – and how are you going to compete, right? It's not going to be who's the best looking. Those people she all said yes to. She thinks they're all good looking. So now it comes down to you've got like 60 seconds. You've got like four texts max. There's a, there's a good Tumblr of uh, Tinder exchanges. Have you seen it? Yes. Maybe you yeah. sent it to me. Teach me how to Tinder. Teach me how to Tinder. And it's great. Honestly, I mean a lot of them are like basically the guy is just trying to make the girl laugh in like the first – um, in the first yeah. line or two, um, um, I'm trying to find one that, 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 that's funny here. Um, our fact checker will have this queued up next time. Yeah. For next us. time we'll have it queued up. Uh, there's, there's been some funny ones in, in, the, in the past. Wow. This one's a girl saying something first. I've never seen that before. Uh, anyways, can you find anything else? Gonna... Um, let's see. So, I can't find any good ones. Oh, here's a good one. You're the hottest girl I've matched with today, and I've matched with 100 girls. So technically, you're in the 1%. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, that's funny. Ironically, you're also in the 99% too, because 99% of girls are missing out on a great opportunity with me. How about this? So everything about you seems perfect, asterisk. And by you, I mean your body, face included in that. Because unfortunately, I can't get a read on character and personality for this app. <laughs> And the girl wrote, ha, 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 thank you. Um, so so where do we leave off with, with with dating? I mean, I feel like Grouper is a great way to, to meet people. Tinder, I feel like that, the real-life conversion has to be super low. So I think Grouper has made um, – has both, both apps, I think Grouper and Tinder, has made the, the transition from online to offline a lot more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think Grouper has done that by matching groups of friends in a very unsexual way. You know, there's no there's no downside, right? You go in. The worst case scenario is you're you're hanging with your buddies. Mm-hmm. So, best case scenario is you meet the love of your life, and she's one of the three groupers. You hit it off. You get her phone number, and now you're dating. Yeah, and you met through groups of friends, right? And you're, it's not like you went on Match.com and you loved, you know, her quotes and her favorite book, and you had to do that whole <laughs> thing where you take her out to dinner and like do the old interview thing. This is you went out for drinks with your friends and you met her. And Tinder is that double opt-in, right? Yeah. Both of you know that you're attracted to each other. You don't have to play the whole bullshit game where like you have to, you know, ask a girl for her phone number and hope that she reciprocates and says yes and is into it and pick up on body language. This is, you know, based on your, your, your pictures and your mutual interests, you know that she likes you back if you match on Tinder. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm excited to see what happens here. I, I, I I think there's something, we'll we'll talk another episode about kind of iterations of, of these companies we're talking about because I have some interesting ideas, but I think this might be a good place to kind of, wind things down for our first episode. We're an hour and 15 minutes in. Great episode, so, yeah. so <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, we set off to do uh, three 10-minute little uh, topics, which has kind of evolved into this diatribe of an hour and 15 minutes, which I think is fine. I think we did a good job. I, think I, we, I was entertained. What about you? 
I had a great time. Uh, I think we might need to go hit the uh, the jacuzzi. Uh, we're probably going to hit the jacuzzi right now. Um, but I want to leave, uh, and I hope we can start a uh, kind of um, a a little routine of ending our our shows with kind of one fun yeah one fun factoid kind of cocktail chatter food for thought food for thought could be anything something interesting to leave our viewers you know more yeah. enlightened could be an app it could be a new restaurant it could be something okay so what's your we're going to call it uh friday factoid well we were having lunch and what was the app i was talking about oh if this and that oh yeah it's great i think it's a cool app check it out uh it triggers things uh for your phone to make these things called recipes uh i really like uh having my foursquare check-ins pushed to my calendar to see where i've been throughout the day uh but what i do want to say is but also on the app theme if you're at starbucks they have the things on the counter. Have you seen these? The cards you can pick up at the counter for free downloads for the week. Uh-huh. Uh, and I've gotten like three or four amazing apps just from downloads. They're usually games. Oh, okay. Uh, there's this one game called Hundreds. Check it out. Shit, a lot of fun to play on the bus. Uh, that, that's my, you know, my, my going away. Uh, and on Ift, uh, it's I-F-T-T-T. It's in the App Store. Yeah. Uh, really cool app. Really well designed. My favorite recipe is um, each... Each picture I'm tagged in on Facebook, I have automatically uh, copied into my Dropbox. Oh, money. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So, like, if anybody tags me in a picture on Facebook, I know that that picture is already downloaded in my Dropbox and I can easily access I, that. I hope Facebook – I don't know. goes to high-res images soon. Or you can save high-res images. We'll talk about this another time. Yeah, I have is... a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> um, but my, my, my fun factoid is um, a little – Life hack um, for hanging out with your friends um, when you're out to, out to dinner or lunch. You know, I think we all uh, have trouble paying attention and get easily distracted with all these cool applications on our on our on our on our smartphones. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what we call this game, but we when I'm out with some friends, we stack our cell phones in the corner of the table and at the start of the meal. And the first one to touch the stack of phones has to pay for the entire meal. And so I think that money. Yeah. Money. I think that and helps saving. Yeah. I think that helps people, you know, focus on their friends and kind of live in the moment a little. Um, as I say this, Mike is texting somebody and not even paying attention. I'm actually to me. uploading a picture of our first podcast so we okay. can memorialize. Okay, okay. But uh, try that try that game out if uh, if you're if you're listening. I think it's a fun way to kind of Get technology out of the way and kind of focus on your friends. Um, but anyways. Do you have some closing music for us? Uh, closing music? I do. I do. So we can wrap things up here? Uh, anyways, uh, hope to see you at podcast number uh, two. With uh, a name. We'll have a name we'll by then. We'll have a name by then. I think we'll, we'll still be doing it out in South Beach, um, I love San Francisco. Yeah. Have a great weekend. Every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling.